you be worried about the people in the stands to worry about where you stand. And right now I'm uh, really standing on thin ice because internally I'm having an ice age type of meltdown. But I feel more like that scroll at the beginning or is it the end of every Ice Age movie? That's a just trying to chase after that fucking acorn. Welcome to episode 24 of Offenbeat. I'm your host, Clint. Um, you know, that's a great, you know, I feel like that actually has a meaningful message. One of the few meaningful ones I've had. You know, sometimes we, we worry about what uh, people who observe us. What they think about us so much. They worry about, we worry about people that are quote unquote in the stands. But we don't even worry about where we stand as ourselves. Let me tell you where you stand. You're, uh, you're standing. That's all that matters. Keep, uh, just keep standing. And... Alright, it is uh, 3.34 a.m., seems to be around a common time, I like to record, it's Sunday, July 18th, I am recording this, um, I, I have been having some meltdowns recently, I had a meltdown earlier, um, I notice I get mad, like, I don't think this is an uncommon thing, but I definitely get more angry at smaller things than bigger things like oh clint you got in a car wreck someone stole your car and threw it and then drove into a river would i be mad of course would i be stressed of course but my initial reaction wouldn't be near as heavy as if I uh, walked into my room and I saw a cockroach on my bed, um, stress levels would be a little bit higher. Not a big fan of a uh, cock in my bed or roaches. Um, not really my thing. Crickets that line did not hit. But um I wonder if I did do a couple lines, would it hit me? One of the few things that stopped me from doing cocaine in my life is the simple fact that I'm afraid to put anything up my nose. Afraid to afraid to put Afrin. I used to have a clogging on one side of my nose all the time. I think it was caused from an imbalance issue. And I was always have one side of my nose always stuffed up, it seemed like. But, um, don't really have those problems anymore. I really don't. But, if I did cocaine, would it clear out the nasals? You know, the nasal cavity. Um, I used to have a lot, of, I used to have a nosebleed issue. I'm sure that would expound. It would come back to life. Um, talk about reliving your past. By making um, grandular decisions in the moment. 
Now, there was someone, um, I'm not going to say their name. I'm not even going to say where they told me this at because I would give it away. But uh, someone I came across the other day, this is 100% true. Not that anything I say on this podcast isn't true, but you know. So uh, this older, not that old, probably like a guy in his late 30s, early 40s. He's um he's a father, but he's a single father, quote unquote, whatever that means. And um he was he likes to um mingle with these troubled ladies, let's just say. And he doesn't do drugs anymore. He's kind of a recovered addict. You know, he turned his life around. Probably, I don't remember how many years exactly, but it's been probably at least a decade or so. He's a pretty clean guy for the most part. But he's telling me the night before that um, he ran into this dilemma. And I was like, okay. You don't have to tell me. But... He continues to tell me, you know, that person where you say, like, I got the gist. You don't have to go into detail. And not only do they go into detail, they show you nudes of themselves and possibly another human interacting with the nude. Um, if you get my drift. And but in this instance, I was like, hey, man. I got, I, I get the gist. He's like, so she uh, she put a line on the table, the small little table they had next to the bed after they were done having their social interaction. Um, blood, sweat, and tears. That's what they must have meant when they said, "Leave it all out on the field." You know, get the first down. It's like, because once I get the first down in interactions. I'm done. Eh, who cares about getting the half field? You know, I'm going to do just enough to get that first down. I'm not getting 18 yards to get you in better field position for the next first down. I'm going to get that 10 yards. As for a substitute, hey, man, just get me when we get to the goal line. Then I'll come back in and I'll ram it in. Wow. That was a very, um, not going to lie, it was a pretty impressive sex analogy I just made. With football. Anyways. Um, but he, he already went past the goal line. The interaction is done. You know, I would assume in a post-relief situations, typically people like to interact with uh, substances of many types. Sometimes before, it enhances the interaction. Sometimes you do a post-interaction to maybe enhance and transition to the next interaction. You know, sometimes you have double headers, triple headers. If it's a, if you had a couple cancel games, a couple rainy days, um, not very good for the arms or the legs. You're gonna have a very sore day ne- the next day. But um, gotta do what you gotta do. Games gotta be played. Money's gotta be made. Blanks gotta be slayed. Ho ho ho. Sometimes you may come up with a red nose if it's um, the 25th. And um, she probably has a little fucker who plays with Rudolphs. Speaking of, side note, there's an ex-Florida state receiver, Travis Rudolph, officially charged with murder. 
Doesn't really have anything to do with this, but made a football analogy. Travis Rudolph, murder. Rudolph, red nose. Uh, I'm going to put it into that statement. Don't forget the period. Anyways, God, that was so childish. But, um, so she put a... Remember I told you his, um, his, uh, living life to the fullest days are behind him. He's a very mellow down. He's just trying to live life normal, you know, just have a normal fucking life. Uh, has a job, able to provide for his kid, has a little fun on the side when he can, nothing that's detrimental to his child. But, um, this, uh, lady wanted to... Get him back to those days. Now, let me break the news. Let me report he did not end up doing it. But uh, she pulled out some of the the cocaine. And um, she put it on the table. Now, he asked me a very question. He said, I didn't do it. But let's say he's like, Put yourself in my position. Basically saying, Clint, put yourself in my position. It's like, well, I wouldn't because I would not uh, do anything with the lady of the picture and rest of her body that you unsolicitedly showed me. Um, But let's say I did blind myself and um, decide to follow through and get in my go-to position and put myself in your position. Is it rude to turn down cocaine or any substances? It doesn't have to be cocaine specifically. It could be a heroin, PCP. Um, it could be some Molly. Shout out to Molly. Yeah. Oh man, that was a good one time I did that. Anyone want to do Molly? Just hit me up. Um, but yeah, he said, "Is it rude to turn down?" Someone that just gave you their personal body. And in exchange, you just do a line with them, you know? Maybe you just do a hit, whatever it is you're doing. Is it rude? Is it cocaine etiquette? And I'm not going to lie. I thought about it for a second. Then I thought about it for an hour. Then I thought about it for a day. It's been a week. Well, no, nah, it's been like three days, not a week. It's been three days since this situation was brought to my attention. And I'm not going to lie. I haven't come to a full conclusion yet. Me personally, I'm never doing cocaine. Um, I just don't see the appeal snorting something up my nose when I already have trouble breathing. Um, and as far as I know, cocaine does not help with breathing. If they say cocaine will uh, cure your asthma and you'll start breathing like you can be underwater for eight hours at a time, then fuck yeah. I'm going to buy that bitch in bulk. Costco, bitch. Boom. I'll even fucking get a Costco membership. Pay whatever the annual fee is. Cocaine, hot dogs. Sounds like a win-win to me. But it was genuine. Even if you don't do cocaine. Even if you're not into drugs at all. If I have a hot steamy night with the lady. And um, she wants me to fill 
something I've never felt before. She wants me to feel the racing. She wants me to feel the mind-bending changes, the heart rush, probably quite literally. I still want to see that Chris Hemsworth movie, which I believe where he like um he's playing at uh what do they call Formula One driver from like nineteen sixty seventies, but it's like a story about him and another driver. It's called Rush. It's Chris Hemsworth. He lost a lot of weight to do the role, and it's literally about called Rush because he's always doing fucking drugs for the rush of the rush. So it's like big time rush. Except uh, it's not. I have a feeling it's not a movie that's gonna be on Nickelodeon ever. But hey, they let creeps like Dan Schneider run the kids shows, and now you got Jamie Lynn Spears being called up her own sister. It's a weird fucking cycle. And uh, Dan Schneider possibly impregnating Jamie Lynn Spears. Just a rumor, not confirmed, but hey, what you gonna do, you fat fuck? Anyways, um, but yeah, is there drug etiquette when you get intimate with an individual? In your bed, like, let's say in my bed, huh? Let's say on this flimsy black table. And by flimsy, I literally mean you can shake. If I shake it too hard, it'll probably collapse like Pompeii. And, um, but hey, Kings of Leon, the sex was on fire. But, um, I have a feeling if I did cocaine, I would probably, I'm an extremist. I would probably do too much, and I would probably die on the spot. And then I wouldn't even be able to live to tell how great my cocaine experience was. Damn, I got dark really fucking quick. But hey, dark times create the light in people. Or you just get a ring light, and it makes you look lighter and smaller. makes your teeth whiter, and you don't even need a mouthwash. Like the Ed Sheeran song, it's like, Listerine, the way you make me feel some, some, the castle on a hill. For the longest time, I thought the part was like, Listerine. But I found out months and months later after listening to the song, it's, it's the way you make me feel. I, I used to think it was Listerine, but hey, you live and you learn. But um, I guess I wouldn't even live to be able to learn from this hypothetical cocaine situation. But I, I did think about this. Because I am someone, I, I always, for lack of a better word, always prepare. I prepare and I project any time of potential situation. I don't know, what it, like, I feel like I got to prepare for this mentally. You know, people prepare for doomsday. They have bunkers. They have, you know, closets and bunkers and basements full of preservative foods just in case if a apocalypse were to happen and while they're thinking of possibly surviving i'm thinking about what if i were to spanky spanky with the ladies while they're taking off their spanks and um they were to pull out a line on my table i am someone who i am when i'm in love i'm in love the emotions are burning up like the Jonas Brothers. Burning up, burning up for you, baby. I'm someone, I'm not going to lie, I'm very, very sensitive. Um, when I start getting very, when I connect with a woman. 
my emotional bag starts uh, coming out of me. Can't control myself. I act like nothing could bother me. But get me in the bedroom and you tell me sweet nothings. You tell me you love me. Even when there's no reason you should. You shouldn't love someone that doesn't love themselves. I do love myself. I'm joking there. But um, I do think, like, I think about if you catch me in an intimate moment, let's say I was drinking a little, and let's say this, we can create, we can have an experience that you've never had with any other individual, and you may never have again. We can have the greatest night of our lives, but you need to do a couple of these lines, and I don't mean remembering your lines, like if you were doing a skit of yours, Clint. No, I need you to do these lines on the table. Peer pressure. One of the great strengths of myself is I have never fallen into peer pressure, really at all in my life. And that's probably why I don't have a whole lot of friends. Because you can't make me do something I don't want to do. Or that I don't feel right doing. I think I gain a lot of respect from people that way, but it also makes it hard for people to want to be around me because I'm not the funnest person. It's like, no. I'm not doing that. I'm just not. Maybe I'm a bad friend. I don't know. One good thing school taught me was don't fall for peer pressure. If you want to do some, make your mind up yourself. I think that's the way we should all go through life. But hey, we're all susceptible. We all want to fit in. We all want to not be a Debbie Downer of the party. Sometimes you'll just go along with things. You may drink more than you'd want to. You may drink some, and maybe you shouldn't. And you end up being a Bill Cosby victim when you when you get peer pressure. Mm. But I would like to say I wouldn't, but goddamn, if the opportunity presented itself and the night was going, let's just say great, and there's a potential that doing this can make it be that much greater. I don't know. I just went off for 15 minutes and the conclusion is I don't know what I would do. Cocaine etiquette. Is there? I think it's the same type of etiquette. You know, something I've learned is you don't walk into strangers' houses with your shoes on. Um, something I've only learned in recent years. Never knew it was that big of a deal, but apparently it is. Take your shoes off at the door. It's like, yeah, but you got a lot of mosquitoes just swirling around here. I don't want no mosquitoes fucking crawling in my Asics. Those are my all-purpose shoes. They're like my 5-in-1 shampoo, body wash, shaving, pube cream. Like, that's the way I look at my shoes. Like, you know, you could you go to the store and you get one of those 5-in-1, all-for-one shower type of containers. It's like Suave. You could body wash, conditioner, shampoo, which I don't know how all three can really work in one and actually be the full effect, but god damn it works. It works. And you know, that's the way I treat my shoes. I wear one, maybe two pairs of shoes in a given time. That doesn't mean I don't have multiple pairs of shoes. But I'll literally use one pair. It's like, ah, I use it for work. It's like, ah, they feel good when I work out. Then I just kind of keep wearing them. The main thing you do, just make sure you clean your socks. You know, you'll be fine. Just please wear socks. 
please, please, for the love of God, wear fucking socks. But I will say, I don't get the whole, um, I've never gotten the whole hatred towards people that wear socks and sandals. I've never understood it. I used to be a heavy offender of that. I'm not going to lie. The only reason why I'm not an offender anymore is because I just don't have any sandals. But trust me, if I had sandals, socks it is. I'll even wear two pairs of socks. Ankle, mid-socks, double coverage. Kind of like um, the one that Jalen Ramsey does not need when he's covering any receiver. But um, if you're a nickel, get that DC um, double cuck. Because um, Richard Sherman might break down your in-laws' doors. This is kind of a weird video to see. There is funny. If anyone actually um, keeps in track with uh, NFL in any type, someone made a caption on a YouTube video. It was either YouTube or some video. The version I saw of it where he's like drunk trying to break into his in-laws or whatever. Someone put, man, it's like, I think uh, <laughs> I think Sherman <laughs> was imagining Crabtree's face on that door. And uh, anyone that gets the Richard Sherman Crabtree thing, uh, it's really funny. Go look it up. If you don't understand, you're not a sports fan. You're a girl, guy, don't watch sports. But I know the people that will uh, will love that take. They will love it. Uh, man. It's a wild. I, like, I couldn't imagine, right? Like, let's say I had a daughter. She was with the NFL player, right? Chances are, he's probably going to be stronger than me. That doesn't mean I'm not just going to let him do whatever, but hey, man. If Vince Wolford is breaking down at your door, if Aaron Donald's breaking down at your door, you're going to try to verbally take care of, you know, calming down the situation. Because if you've seen that man work out with knives, um, unless you're like a... Unless you're like a, a samurai, it's not going to work out for you. Aaron Donald literally practices with fucking knives to prepare playing football. All I'm going to say is uh, that dad should be lucky that was Richard Sherman and not Aaron Donald. Or Nick or Joey Bosa. But, um, but if you're an in-law and your daughter is married or with an NFL player. And that happens, right? Do you go out there and do you just try to start beating his ass? You know, hey, I'm all about protecting my daughter. But if he gets past me, you ain't got no shot. <laughs> like, you tell that was like, hey, just let him keep beating down the door. We're going to hide. And um, hope he calms down. I hope the police get here. That was a scary thing to watch on all seriousness in all seriousness. That's a scary you know, it does bring in the fact of because, you know, he was drunk. As far as I'm aware, he was uh drunk. Um and apparently according to the phone calls that his wife was saying he's been drinking, he's been having a drinking problem. And He's mentioned being suicidal, to get serious here for a moment. And I do think the more is it a sign of possible the CTE thing, because if you just look at 
who Richard Sherman has been throughout his whole career, you wouldn't think of someone that struggles with his mental health to that degree. Everyone struggles with mental health to a degree, but he's always been well-articulate, one of the smartest people, always very well-spoken, just a very intelligent individual. He is one of the last people that you would expect to put fear in his own family's eyes type of thing, right? And is there possible CTE stuff? You know, we don't know. But there was some speculation like, and I I did hear a podcast, or I, I heard some earlier, right? And they were saying that they have a theory. I forgot who it was. Um, but they said they had a theory because, you know, there's been NFL players such as like Junior Seau. There's been, um, um, I mean, you just look at a bunch of NFL players that play. They've been, they either basically have dementia. They're basically, even if they're still alive, they're basically vegetables after a certain point. Not even being funny, like they literally can't speak. They can't move. Jim McMahon, like literally can't even see. Like, he literally came and see, he has to wear glasses to protect headaches and migraines from the constant beating of playing. All these NFL players with CTE commend suicide because CTE is causing these um, sporadic movements in their head. And what was I saying? Damn it. Got off track. Oh. You know, and now, see, typically, like, we wouldn't see the CTE or the the direct effects of it in terms of the extreme effects where it's apparent to a stranger's eye of the damage that NFL point and football causes, CTE, medical, and health. Typically, you wouldn't see it till like, maybe their 40s, like, their 50s or 60s when they can't walk. You know, they've had all these surgeries. They, you know, they start to be able, they're a little slower thinking. They start slurring their speeches. They're not, they're not all there. They may have dementia earlier, Alzheimer's, like the mental and physical, it's a slower deterioration. But now it seems like the effects are getting younger and younger. And. Richard Sherman, I believe he's like, what, 32, 33, somewhere in that range, if he's even that old. And he's basically on the last year of his career anyways. He was going to already probably be in his last year playing if he even plays this year now. He's just not the same dominant player as he used to be, but he still can produce in some type of way. Um, But will, will these outlandish things, right, like, the suicidal thing that could possibly be connected to CT because it's fucking with someone's head type of shit. Are we going to start seeing this at such a younger age where people are going to be committing suicide during their primes? And I'm not saying, I know he didn't commit suicide, but he didn't mention, wife didn't mention that he's been talking about being suicidal. He's struggling with things. He's been drinking a lot. The dude has everything that everyone could wish for. He has money. He has security. He has education. But something's not right. And you could have everything and some things and doesn't solve all your problems. Or is there something now that are causing problems neurologically that aren't as simple as just get help, as get therapy? 
But someone had a theory that if Tom Brady, they use the name Tom Brady. You can use the race thing, but it's not even the point of race. But someone who's as accomplished, who's going to go down, is possibly the greatest quarterback of all time, Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. You can name it, whatever. If he were to blow his brains out, like, four years from now, and basically they would do a brain and it would be connected to CTE, would football shut down? Like, or... At the very least, even if they don't shut down, will it truly put in progression the the medical revelation of research? Will it fast forward the progress? Sometimes it needs to, sometimes something extreme has to happen for something to actually move forward, right? Will it actually, would something as dramatic as that actually um, what's the words I'm looking for? I'm trying to be very delicate because this is a very serious thing to talk about. Typically, I'm ignorant, but I do want to be very delicate with this because this is talking about suicide, CT, mental health, all that stuff. Um, but if something like that were to happen, big of a face, um, as big of a name, as accomplished and everything, and it were to happen immediately after he retired or even still playing. Would that be something that would change the whole perception of football? Would it truly change how easy it is to consume as a sport if something like that were to happen? Because that's not just some someone died in a car accident. It's not someone died of an overdose or something and they have personal... Like, playing the game caused them something that no one perceived they had before they entered the game. That would leave a mark on the sport. Like, it would be the equivalent of... Because, like, let's say NBA, right? Let's say an equivalent. If there was some type of... Similarity, the CT for the NBA. Obviously, NBA is a different sport. It's not as physical. It's not going to be as. Let's say there was something with running that much. Someone died of a heart attack on the court. Different situation because it's not, you know, you had the situation of, uh, I believe it was Harry Kimball um, of Loyola Marymount back in the 90s, died on the court from having a heart attack from playing because they played very fast. Everything. If someone were to die on the court in an NBA game, like it would, it wouldn't be just some you can start playing NBA basketball a week later. Like all the players would be hesitant because that shocks people. It's like if you're witnessing a very traumatic injury, like when Kevin Ware in Louisville in the March Madness, like ten years ago, when he snapped his leg. I remember watching that shit live. That shit was. I remember watching the bench. I believe Louisville was playing Vanderbilt. I could be wrong. Maybe they were playing Vanderbilt or Kentucky. One of those two teams. And for some reason, it didn't make sense. On the fucking court, they had like a drop-off. Like, literally, it was like steps to go down to the bench right there. Never fucking got that set up, but whatever. 
And I remember he landed and his legs, uh, you could literally, you, you just saw him fall on the ground and you didn't think nothing of it. You just thought, oh, someone fell after they did a jump shot or whatever. But then everyone on the bench right there just like got up and started running. And I remember the game was stopped for like 40 minutes. They had the game on stretcher. So traumatic. The players needed a breather just to get back into playing. Like traumatic things like that really can. I really think if something like that were to happen, it would change the sport of the NFL, even knowing the risks of playing the game. Because, see, as a consumer. It doesn't, we, like, as a consumer, we know the risks of playing the game. He has to get paid a lot of money. They know the risk. But just because you know the risk, that doesn't mean when those risks come to light, you shouldn't be delicate with it, you know? It's like they provide a service and they gave entertainment for a lifetime. You can rewatch the games that they played in, in the history books. It's really gladiator type sport. They leave their mark in history. For some reason, the second they retire, it's like for most players, it's like, oh, thanks. And I know they get pensions, they get life insurance in a sense, but you know, if someone develops, if someone starts not being able to walk at the age of 37, they retired at 33. That's not just something you gloss over. Understands the reality of the game, but I mean, damn. You know the risk every day you get in a car that you could get in an accident and they have nothing to do with you. You get it by a drunk driver. But just because you know that risk, you don't you don't think about that. Every time you get in the car, you're not worried about getting hit by a drunk driver because you can't drive scared. You drive scared. You're going to f- fly through the windshield. Because if you drive scared, it's like if you're playing scared, if you're playing scared in the sports, that's when you get hurt. You play scared in football, you're going to be tense and you're more susceptible to injury. You play scared in basketball, you're going to get, you're going to be very slow in reacting because you're avoiding getting hurt, which is probably going to end up causing you to get hurt. You play scared in baseball, you get hit in the fucking face because you're not. Heads up, put your glove up. Not seeing the line drive hit you right in the fucking nose. Because you're playing scared. But, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But hey, sponsored by uh, C4 Energy. Where uh, you get C4, the future. Orange Slice is my favorite flavor. What's yours? And orange is my favorite color. Not that that's really relevant or important at all. But, um, yeah. Alright, let's make a smooth transition out of that. From CTE to a little booty. Nah, I don't really have a thing to talk about booty. This is one of those episodes where I actually didn't plan ahead of time what to talk about. And... It's going pretty solid. I like to give myself updates and give you an honest, um, give you honest assessment in the moment of what I feel is happening. You know, I, 
you could kind of tell in the moment. Like, I always appreciate it. Like, wouldn't you just love it if you're watching a movie and you know 28 minutes in, this movie is fucking trash? Don't you wish, like, an actor in the movie would just slip in, like, man, uh, we're in scene four already. Storyline's not really moving. This is not going great. Just thought you should know, audience. You know what? Because at least I can appreciate, like, oh, we're watching a shit movie. It kind of makes me want to watch how much shittier it can get. But when you know, but when you feel like there's nothing worse than when you're watching something or you're listening to something and the person showing you it really feels like, man, this shit's fire. This song's fire. And you're like, nah, um, it's not hitting, man. But hey. Don't, but hey, you know what? Just because I don't think it's good, you know, there's people out there that don't think Drake is good. So hey, man, keep going. You got this. There's people out there that generally thought that Kiss, the band, wasn't good. Molly Crew wasn't good. There's people at the time before they broke, they generally thought their music sucked. But. They were wrong. Subjectively. Oh, man. For some reason, I just had a cock block in my brain. But, uh, skipping rocks in a hard place. Never understood. I've never understood how the skipping rocks in the lake thing works. Obviously, I've skipped some rocks. You always find the ones that have little holes in it. Because, you know, floats, density, um... It's good for the water, specifically uh, salt water, especially when it's been in sand. The you know the grain dealer salt actually helps the density over mass and volume. Density equals mass over volume. But um, so wait, did the D? Oh, I literally just thought it's is the DMV really a representation? Of density, mass, and volume. Because the DMV, we know, is where you get your license. The DMV is where you renew your registration. It's where you renew your, uh, it's where you renew your tags and shit. You know, legal shit. But a car is technically full of mass. There's volume. You... Put your stereo to whatever volume you want. And the air inside of the car, when all the doors are closed, can be dense. Especially roll your windows down. The dense winds roll in. And you're uh, free like a bird. Damn, Cheryl Crow. I don't know if you own there. I don't know if you... Is Cheryl Crow really like... The knockoff Alanis Morissette. That's like the widest question I think that's ever been asked in the history of mankind. Cheryl Crow and Alanis Morissette. I've never been uh, more ashamed of my white heritage. And that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This uh, podcast started strong and in weak. 
And um Yeah. This is uh I'm really struggling right now. Oh. Okay. So I was thinking about this genuinely. What is like look, and when I say this, I don't want people that mess with me or whatever. It'd be like, bruh. There's literally a definition for this. It's like, yes, I know technically there's a definition. But I also feel like looking up definitions and just researching for simple shit that you can just think for yourself and have an interpretation for yourself kind of demeans the value of thinking for yourself. If you just let things dictate how you think for yourself and demean the fact of research when research should be used for things that are actually needed for research, but you're wasting on things that you just think for yourself for your own personal research because all research has to start with a thought just saying anyways is an opinion can you call something an opinion once you look for outside information to formulate an opinion now let me clarify this when you talk about certain things You should, if you're going to talk about it, have some background knowledge when you have an opinion about something. And if you were going to go in depth and speak to masses of people and teach people about something, then yes, you need to do research on your opinion. But does also researching that opinion already take the fact that it's an opinion at that point? For example... Let's say I have an opinion um, about a certain religion, right? By the way, this isn't, but I was actually listening to a Sam Harris. Um, someone did a video on Sam Harris. I'm kind of aware with him, but Sam Harris, for example, is highly against Islam because, in his opinion, Islam um, is more of a conquering more than a conversationalist type of religion. Meaning, if you have any issues, it's about conquering, not about conversating, which can lead to a lot of um, physical situations. Not meaning to blow your bubble, but um, you can't live in a bubble when you're in the Islam nature because it's either you either with us or against us. That's why people, you got to be careful when you're, you're either with me or against me. It's like... I don't have enough of an opinion to be with you or against you. I have a very general idea just off something about you. My observation, my opinion about you doesn't have to be that extreme. But, of course, we as people always want to be so goddamn toxic and be like, man, I I would rather have someone feel something about me, even if it's bad, compared to feeling nothing. Because some feel if someone doesn't have any feeling about you, uh, that's a tough one to go home with. Because if someone tells you I don't have any feeling about you for you in any capacity, meaning you always want someone to either love you or hate you, and not just be neutral about you, because that makes you feel more special. If someone is an extremist, or if no one has much to say about you. You're kind of um, forgettable. But you could be like me and be unforgettable for all the wrong reasons. 
And trust me, you do not want to be in that boat. You'll be fresh off the boat. Because I'm going to kick your ass off in the jaws from the first one. That shark is going... That's not the noise a shark makes. What noises do shark makes? Bruce! Anyways. But anytime you go outside, you... The second... Because all... All ideas are formed from within your head, right? I'm not going to get into conscious, unconscious. We're just going to say ideas that are formed within yourself. Stuff you think of in your head. If you have an opinion about something, but then if you start doing research on your opinion. Because at that point, once you start researching, you're either looking to double down on your opinion to confirm to yourself whether it's right or wrong, or are you looking to be swayed off your opinion? The reality is, by the way, technically neither is wrong. You should look to have a well-rounded opinion to actually see, like, is this opinion even reasonable? Because there are unreasonable opinions. I don't care what people say. But you are entitled to your opinion whether it's ignorant or correct. But the second... You find any information that's outside of anything you think. Can you technically call it your opinion? Is my question. Because when I think of an opinion. When I think of my opinions. Whether whether it's the right or wrong way to go about it. I think your opinion is something that stems from a belief within yourself. And your opinion is just a verbal way to say your belief. And can you really say your opinion has true backstanding if you don't even have a belief that you mostly are attached to it? Wow, look at Clint being all fucking deep here. Really, I don't think it's that deep. I feel like I want to go more in depth with this on the next podcast. Because I feel like this is something that's actually something to talk about for like... 20, 25 minutes instead of fucking cocaine etiquette. This is something that's actually deeper under the surface. But I will dabble in a little bit more before I wrap this up. Uh, So I guess guess the thesis or the experiment we should think about to ourselves is... What anything, once you start adding quote-unquote statistics or quote-unquote facts to your opinion is your opinion is it even your opinion anymore because full ownership of an opinion is 100% from an individual anytime but then when you start taking from research articles or you start looking up things look up statistics to support your opinion are you just is your reasoning for your opinion even from an inner belief anymore? Or are you looking more for confirmation to justify to yourself that your opinion is stronger? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a I think it's an interesting thing to think about. I think when a lot of people think of opinions, they just think... Because I do feel like a lot of people these days... Don't even have an opinion about a lot. But they read something. And they start with that. Even unconsciously. Even if it's not on purpose. They 
think like, hmm, they read something, they read a couple things that align with that, and they're like, hmm, well, that makes sense, so that's my opinion now. Instead of saying, well, I, I don't know if I truly am attached to this feeling. That's why I feel like a lot of people, what's the difference between stubbornness and evolving, right? Is stubbornness always a bad thing? I think it's a good balance everything. Like, everything in life, I'm all about balance. I think extremism is good in some ways, but it can also kind of jade your view on the bigger picture. But if you're always about balance, sometimes you may not be able to focus on, ironically, the bigger picture. Because if you have a very narrow point of view in extremists, it's all about the work, work, work. But if you're about the bigger picture, it's about rest, work, balance in life, balance in this. It's about not just achieving a singular goal, but to make your whole life spectacle a very balanced, easier going life. Just for one example. I do think it's, I do feel like a lot of people don't really have opinions that they think about. They read things and it becomes their opinion until something proves them, proves that opinion incorrect or it proves it. So that's why I feel like a lot of people change opinions or don't have much of a feeling about something because I think in order to have a belief or opinion about something you have to have an emotional attachment to it you can't just put statistic and numbers on everything and you feel strong about it it may quote unquote support your argument from a linguistic reason or from a verbal exchange but if you don't have an emotional attachment to something if you don't have an attachment that you truly believe in something where you actually feel that anger when it's being attacked, then how much of your opinion is it really? I don't know. It's a fair question. I'm going to wrap up there and I feel like I'm going to delve back in that in the next episode. I really, I do think that's an interesting construct to talk about. All right, guys, that was episode 24 of the Often Beat podcast with your host Clint. Um, remember to follow the IG, subscribe and like the video on the tube, and um, follow the TikTok even though I don't post on there that often. And um, yeah, and uh, oh yeah, go uh, suck some titties. And um, summary for today's show: cocaine etiquette. Um, learn how to think for yourself. Have an actual opinion. Um, CT is very dangerous. And I think we're seeing it start younger and younger. And it's become so apparent that it's hard to really ignore it. And um, I have a feeling I'm going to be doing cocaine sometime in the near future. Don't know why, but, you know, that's that's manifestation. You speak into existence. If you talk about something, make it happen. So I guess I'm, by default, my stars will align for cocaine to be in a line like my spine and yeah all right guys hope you enjoy your sunday and um go suck some titties and um have a great sunday tell god i said hey tell god i said hey